The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are in the right place. Today's buzz, our topic is getting social. What does she mean by that? Let me get started. Social media is the new way of doing business. It's not just for kids anymore. It's all grown up. It's always on. It's always available. And most important, it's either working for or against your company and your brand. That's a very powerful concept. With vast data at their fingertips, in fact, our fingertips because we're all consumers of something, buyers simply click a mouse to show support or disappointment for what you're offering and how you're treating them. Is the customer experience good? Is it stellar? Is it poor? OMG, you'd better know that answer. So if your company is still debating the value of social media, should you be on multi-channel, omni-channel, what are you going to do about all those people clamoring for or against your company? The better question for you to ask at your C-suite table is perhaps whether you know how to use social in ways that are creating measurable business value. And that's the key to our topic today, social business creating measurable business value. I have a panel of three experts. I always have a panel of three experts, sometimes even four. And we're going to dive into this topic and see what we can do to help you figure it all out. First up on the panel, I'm pleased to welcome Hillary Carter. She's the founder of Intune Communications. And Hillary has sent me a wonderful quote from Gary Vaynerchuk. Those of you who may have still been hiding under a rock for the past few years, uh, Gary emigrated with his family in 1978 from Russia, what's now the area called Belarus, and moved to, of all places, Edison, New Jersey. After college, he turned his father's liquor store in New Jersey into a retail wine store named Wine Library and started a video blog called Wine Library TV. It became a daily internet webcast sensation. And then he founded VaynerMedia. We'll talk more about that. So here's the quote from Gary Vaynerchuk. It's, the reason we love our parents is because they loved us first. Every single company should take this advice. Very profound. Hillary Carter, welcome. And how do we get Gary Vaynerchuk on the show? Talk to me. Well, thanks, Bonnie. It's, uh, thanks for the introduction. And hi to everybody tuned in. It's really great to be here. Um, Thank you. I absolutely love that quote from Gary Vaynerchuk. I just think it is a 19-word blueprint for success. And, and I love it because I, I believe it has applications beyond um, business and beyond social media. It can really have a positive impact on how we approach any kind of relationship in our lives. Uh, but, but particularly for businesses, it, 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 uh, it frames the discussion of, of 
customer interaction in a whole new way in terms of a parent-child relationship. So if we want our customers to love us, we have to love them first, and we have to show them that they matter, that they are important, that we are listening to them, that we care. Um, so, you know, I love it. It's the show-me-the-love principle, and I think it's, it's a really it's a difficult strategy for businesses to implement because so often we're focused on talking about our own products, our own services. But if we change our focus to start um, caring more about what our customers think, what they want uh, to build trust with them, uh, it's really quite a successful approach to, to building that kind of trust. So I think it's, a, I think it's just a super quote, and uh, it's certainly a guiding principle for me on how I approach social media, uh, whereby... Um, 90% of total activity spent on social media is not actually talking about uh, my own business or uh, on behalf of my, my customers, their business, but actually start to engage in higher levels of social listening and um, demonstrating that we, we are engaged with our customers, that we're interested in what they're saying, that we're going to partner with them and share their, share their content and like their content and really start engaging with them. And that's where I think that companies will start to see a lot more, a lot higher levels of success. Thank you, Hillary. So interesting that when I started out, I started with saying social media is not just for kids anymore. And you're bringing in Vaynerchuk's quote about uh, the parents loved us first and, and companies have to show the love to their children, basically to their customers, their consumers, their prospects, and their entire audience. That kind of ties things up with a neat little bow. I'm glad you quantified that the quote is 19 words and it's a blueprint that makes it even more powerful. Thank you for a great introduction to our topic, Hillary Carter. We'll hear a lot more from you coming up. And let me introduce our second panelist. He is Chris Boudreau, Digital Strategy Executive at EY, and he founded the website Social Media Governance in 2009. And this is an original quote from the lips of Chris Boudreau. Here it is. The greatest opportunity in social business lies in connecting social data and processes into the rest of the enterprise. We need to hold social to the same levels of accountability and integration as any other channel. Profound as well. Chris Boudreaux, welcome. How are you today? Very good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So talk to me. Uh, interesting quote. Why don't you expand it for us? Yeah. yeah I've, I've been working in social since 2005, so I remember the days when you know product managers were first getting their own Twitter account to be able to talk about their product, which was how... A lot, what a lot of brands were doing in around the 2008 time frame. And there's a, still today a lot of debate of whether or not social media is really valuable, what's the ROI, and so on. And we don't hear that d- debate around email, phone, web chat. You know, all of the ways that we interact with customers mm-hmm. uh, are kind of usually held to, it's clear that we need those things. It's clear that, you know, we're doing those to things to sell or to market or to something else. And for some reason, social, because it sort of began as this reputation, this tool for brand reputation, it, and lots of people for years said, um, you know, oh, let's not hold social accountable for ROI because you'll kill it. And to some extent, that may have been true in the beginning. There's still too many people who only think about social as a tool for brand reputation or maybe responding to customers' questions in, in sort of a care context. And and that and that's the reason why it doesn't create any business value because uh, you know until you 
until you're, you've got your e-commerce capabilities set up so that when you post about your product, people can buy the product in that Facebook post. Or when someone, you know, in, engages with you on Twitter and then visits your community page and then moves over from there after getting information about your product to then buying your product on another web page that's generated by a separate e-commerce platform, right? Mm-hmm. Until you know that all of those three things were the same person and you're able to optimize that funnel and really understand that social is contributing to that, then, you know, that's why until we get to that point, we don't see social as being valuable or it's unclear the value that social is contributing. And so, you know, we, we need to hold ourselves to a little bit of a higher standard of accountability and vision around social and the degree to which it's connected to the rest of the business, um, which I think is, a, is, is something that almost no one is really doing very well right now. Thank you, Chris. Very profound, and you went out on a limb there and made your, made your statement. I have a question for you. Do you think the problem with all of this, I, it just dawned on me while I was listening to you, and I'll ask the rest of the panel after we introduce our third guest, uh, do you think the problem is the word social? Businesses think of social as something you do after work. It's fluffy. It's a party. It's a get-together. It's a drinking fest. It's a dinner party. It's going to a pub somewhere. Oh, we all know great business is done with handshakes and smiles on the golf course, maybe on the tennis court. But social, really? I'm not so sure that it's a word people can take seriously. Do you think the problem is the word social, Chris, perhaps? Um. Maybe, but I'm not. I'm not sure what other word we would use to describe the phenomenon of that that that, that this is. So, for example, I used to years ago when speaking to exec or audiences of senior executives about what is social media and those kinds of things. I'd usually start off and I would say, you know, a social medium is uh, anywhere that the people creating content and the people consuming content are the same people, right? Mm-hmm. That's not what happens on television. That's not what happens on radio. But that's what all of these different social media are. And then I would say, you know, think back, a campfire is a social medium. It has nothing to do with technology, but it's a social medium. Somebody's playing guitar. People are singing. Some people are just listening. TV, radio, same thing. It was truckers talking to each other, creating the content, essentially consuming it. And you even had gas stations that would get on the radio and announce that they were having sales on gas to try to get truckers to pull in and buy more stuff from them. Uh, so, you know, that was kind of the first social advertising, essentially, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's important to use the word social to that extent because people need to understand the fundamental nature of how this stuff works and ground their understanding in something that they already know that's not technology-based because too often people think that social is just technology and it's, it's not. Um, and so... You know, I think you have to kind of figure out, okay, well, in order to go from there to then figure out how does the, the, the social nature of this stuff create value for the business is then a little bit of a leap. And so to your point, it might kind of get in the way a little bit, but, but you know, maybe democratizing is a better word in some sense uh, to help people think mm-hmm. about it. Thank you very much. Thanks for accepting and addressing my question. Yes, the challenge would be what word substitutes for social if we decide to change it, and how would we get the word out? Thank you, Chris. Pleasure to have you on board. And let's bring on our third panelist. She's somebody I met along the way at my, in my career at SAP, but her first time on Coffee Break with Game Changers Radio. It's Malin Ladine. She leads SAP Marketing for Community-Driven Innovation at SAP. And Malin has sent me a one, two, three, four, five, eight-word 
quote that mm-hmm. is very interesting in her own words, and I think it's profound. She says, in the social economy, everyone carries a quota. Malin, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. It's great to talk to you again. I'm fine, and I'm very much looking forward to this, uh, to, to this conversation. Thank you. Tell me about your quote. Very interesting. Go ahead. Yes, I love it too. And it's the reason why I'm so passionate about this topic. I actually feel like it's something very democratic and liberating about this, the social economy and, and social media. Because if you think about it, it means that the ownership of the business has changed. Mm-hmm. Everyone in these days can truly impact revenue. And I remember very well, just a couple of years ago, when the sales reps would be very protective about the customer relationship. They would be a little territorial. They would protect the interactions with the customer. Those days are gone with social. Everyone in these days has unlimited access to customers. Everyone owns the relationship, and everyone can impact revenue. I think that's a wonderful, uh, that, that's, a, that's a wonderful development, and I'm really excited about it because I can see the impact of it. Thank you, Malin. Very interesting. Any comments on my question I posed to Chris? And I'll go back and ask Hillary as well. Do you think social, the word social is the problem, that companies don't take it seriously, that it is measurable, that you can create real, real bottom line business value if you think about it and work hard enough? Malin, thoughts? Yeah, I, I think it's a very interesting question. And I think you have a point. It, it, it does come from a social motion, I guess. And most people, when they start on social, it's more from a private perspective. So maybe it does uh, present a problem to be taken seriously as a business motion, as something that can have a real profound uh, impact. And I think to me, maybe as an alternative, having thought about it for now uh, a minute or two, <laughs> is to, to choose something around the network economy instead. Because if we think about it, the companies and organizations that are successful today are really the ones who build alliances, who build partnerships, and who network together with others to provide a better experience for their end audience. And to me, this is very much what we are doing with social and social selling, all of these things. It's bringing people together. It's creating networks that make sense so that the user experience at the end is better and that it's easier to do business and and generate more value. Thank you, Marlon. Good insights. Hillary, I have to get you in on the, the what turned out to be one of our big questions of the day. Is the word social the problem? Thoughts? Agree or disagree with Chris and Marlon or your own POV? I, I, I think it's an excellent question, and I happen to believe that I think the term social uh, is problematic for a lot of businesses who think that these tools are for groupies. And I, I see many, many reputable and successful business people in this world who deny the power of LinkedIn and, and Twitter because they're, they're uh, networks that they're not interested in, that they're afraid of, and so on and so forth, and think, well, it's a social network. It's a place for, for uh, uh, the mundane and the banal. So, yes, I see that as, um, as a problem. I have, I have often described uh, networks using the term digital networks, uh, because I think it's important that one's online reputation uh, also includes the Internet at large. It's not just simply LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, that we have to think in terms of a broader picture uh, that includes our web presence, our blogs, uh, and how we are portrayed uh, by um, others online. So, yeah, I think the term social uh, is is what might keep 
some businesses from, from jumping in more readily. I really like Mellon's term, the network economy, because the real opportunities for engaging on social networks, digital networks, are for business development, are to, to build new relationships. And uh, yeah. until you begin to use the networks, you really don't understand the power of the opportunity to effectively network with other yeah. people, human to human. I think Go ahead. Too, that, like, you, yeah. you know, I, I think it's, it's a little bit of a cop-out to blame a word in some ways. So sure. I think all of the things that the folks are saying are true. But I also think we need to kind of take a step back and look at how social evolved for business. And for, the, for most organizations, what happened was um, the organization became aware of social media and its potential effects on the brand reputation. Social media was immediately uh, placed within the ownership of public relations or corporate communications as a brand reputation tool to minimize risk. And that was 100% of the focus around social was let's make sure the brand doesn't get hurt. So as long as – and the reality is that PR and corp comms teams are not accountable for sales. They're not accountable for marketing. Um, you know, and so there was a lot of time in most organizations where social was you – know, all of the internal messaging around social was you know, we need to do listening at the aggregate level, and we need to be able to respond if there's a crisis. And that was kind of the main thing at the board level that people talk about around social media. And so – you know, if the first people that had latched onto social had been salespeople and not communications people, I think we'd be having a very different discussion right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, and that's changing, right? So there's now social selling is, is quite pervasive. And so a lot mm-hmm. of this stuff is changing, but there are still plenty of organizations where, and it's mostly in more regulated organizations or industries where corporate communications still thinks they need to own social media, which is really the wrong question at this point. I mean, who owns the telephone as a channel in a company, right? Nobody. So, uh, you know, so that, that, that evolution of the kind of explicit focus on social as a brand reputation uh, uh, issue is, I think, it, it's, it's less about the word social. It's more about kind of, who owned it and how was every how was social explained to people at the board and C level in the early years, right? Thank you, Chris. Thank you all. Good conversation. I, I want to move to uh, probably the most difficult. If you thought that question was difficult, I have a real toughie for the three of you. Our show today is Coffee Break with Game Changers, and I have a pressing question for my three panelists. Our listeners know what's coming next. What are you drinking today? What's in your cup? Any beverage or tell me an interesting beverage story, either what you're drinking right now or what you're planning to drink after the show. Hillary Carter, let me go back to you. Okay, sounds good. I um I am drinking uh I'm drinking black coffee and it's from I'm going to I'm going to demonstrate the show me the love principle in this coffee break chat. Uh because I I love this coffee. It's uh from a, an espresso tasting bar in Vancouver, British Columbia called Milano. And it has just opened its second location in Toronto and it's absolutely fantastic. And I was introduced to it by um close friends of ours who were married in Vancouver, and they were to marry in uh, Stanley Park, which is a beautiful park uh, right on the ocean in Vancouver. Uh, And the venue that they were to marry in said, no, 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 we can't serve Milano coffee. We have our own brand in-house. And our friend said, if you are not serving Milano coffee at our wedding, we are not having the reception here. 
So that that was the story that goes with the coffee that I'm drinking uh, this morning, which was so lovingly prepared by my husband and uh, Milano Coffee Bar. Uh, if you're in Vancouver, Toronto, stop by, check it out. Thank you very much. We love a little name brand dropping there, and I'm sure they're glad you showed them the love. Hillary, I saw you tweeting before the show at, at Tweet from Hillary with one L. If you want to post that on Twitter at hashtag SAP Radio, we'd love to see it. So if you have a chance during the break, go ahead. Chris Boudreaux, where are you calling from, and what's in your cup today? I'm in Austin, Texas, and I am drinking black iced tea, which is what I drink a lot of the time. Uh, and I don't have a brand for you. Um, That's okay. What is black iced tea? You mean with nothing in it, just straight? What yeah, kind of tea? What flavor do you use? Regular iced tea, not peach, not any flavor, <laughs> uh, not green tea. Just your kind of the green tea that was kind of the only green tea you could get when I was a kid before tea became all the different flavors that it is now. <laughs> okay. Basically, Thank you very much. If you're in the yep. South and you order unsweet tea, that's what it is. Yes. Okay, now I know. My daughter married a Southerner, and I was at the wedding last year, and I remember they served sweet tea. A little too sweet for my taste, even though I'm a sugar junkie, so what can I tell you? But very, very interesting beverage. Thank you, Chris. And Malin Ledeen, you are in Germany somewhere. I understand you're on vacation, but still joining us, and we appreciate that. Where exactly are you? What time of day is it? And Malin, what are you drinking? Great. I actually, I'm on vacation, so you can see how excited I am about this topic. And I'm uh, at the beautiful Lake Constance in the south of Germany, and my drink is actually entirely unspectacular. What I want to share with you today is the message on the cap. Uh, okay. My favorite cap that I got for very good reasons from colleagues in my previous team says, eat cake for breakfast. It's a beautiful cake spade uh, mug, and I love the message. So this is my message to the world. Life is short. Eat more cake for breakfast. <laughs> I, I love it. I had uh, 2 o'clock in the morning, couldn't sleep, and I had a chocolate muffin with a glass of milk, and some people would consider that <laughs> breakfast if I was in Germany with you. So I had cake for breakfast, and it was really good. Warmed it up in the microwave, little chocolate chips dancing around in there. Oh, that's critically sinful. Thank <laughs> you very much, Malin, and glad you're joining us. We've had a very good opening segment. I'm speaking today with Hillary Carter of Intune Communications, Chris Boudreau at EY and founder of the website Social Media Governance, very appropriate for our conversation today. And Malin Ledeen from SAP Community Driven Innovation. Malin's on vacation, still joining us. And thank you. Our topic today is social business, creating measurable business value. And a shout out to Kirsten Boileau at SAP for putting together this wonderful panel. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Hillary Carter is going to have the honors of joining me to launch our 30-minute nonstop roundtable segment. We're going to be looking at her notes over the break and coming up with a very compelling way to kick off the roundtable. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. This is Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. 
By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back with social business, creating measurable business value. And social business is real business. So if you think it's just kids play, you are totally wrong. And my panelists have already supported that. Let's kick off our roundtable with Hillary Carter from Intune Communications. I'm looking at Hillary's notes, and she told me about digital leadership. She says, we all need an online authoritative brand. Leading online creates opportunities for companies, what she calls an envious, enviable corporate culture, a pipeline of future employee candidates. Well, that's a new way to look at it. Hillary Carter, why don't you expand this for us, please, and then I'll invite the other panelists to join us. Yeah, thanks, uh, Bonnie. I think I think what where this space has a tremendous opportunity to uh, develop and get better is through greater participation of our thought leaders and our business leaders. And right now, there are fewer than thirty percent Fortune five hundred CEOs who are actively participating uh, on on social media. And those who are, are absolutely dominating the space, and they're, they're, they're now known as social CEOs. But what mm. they have figured out is that there are too many reasons um, why social media leadership is a really great thing. And you had mentioned uh, the opportunity to attract top talent and create pools of candidates who want to work for your organization. And when, when CEOs and executives engage on social media, when they share their values, when they share their corporate vision, when they, when they tell the world on a Monday morning, I can't wait to get to work today and to work with my fantastic team, mm-hmm. uh, that makes people say, yeah, she's somebody that I want to go to work for every day. He's somebody that, that I just love to report to. That is the kind of leadership that inspires uh, a, a generation uh, to say, yeah, that that is the organization that that really that really motivates me, that gives me a higher purpose uh, to my work. So uh, it's unfortunate that fewer leaders have not figured this out, and I think that's what really motivates me in my daily work is to try to um, explore the opportunities why why participation is not something that should be feared. Jump in and realize that uh, there are too many good reasons to stay offline. Thank you, Hillary. Good, good uh, statements there. And Chris Boudreau, I want to know whether you agree or disagree with Hillary. Well, I think um, I think social channels can 
can offer a great way for anyone to connect with whoever they're trying to develop relationships with when they can't just phone those people or take them out to dinner or do other things. Mm-hmm. And so whether that's an executive who's communicating with their employees, instead of sending a giant formal jammed with text email that nobody's ever going to read because the 80% of the email doesn't say anything material. I think, you know, mm-hmm. having a much more informal channel uh, can be a much more effective way to engage employees or any other external audience for a senior executive. I think the, the, the challenge or the considerations that are important are, you know, number one, getting on the social media doesn't inherently make you a better leader or more engaged or attract an audience or make people trust you, right? So it needs to be, you know, okay, well, how are you, what are you going to communicate? Because if, if just simply posting isn't going to make people follow you and it isn't going to make people respect you, you've got to post content and engage in content and be responsive if somebody comes back at you. Um, and so there, there are sort of considerations of how are you going to do this in a way that's consistent with who you are as a person and, and the kinds of relationships you're trying to develop. Uh, you know, because the other consideration is that there's, there are, there's plenty of data that shows that when people hear information about a product or a brand, the people they're most likely to trust are either experts uh, or a general employee or someone they perceive to be like themselves. It's not a marketer or a PR person or a senior executive. And so, you know, when thinking about if, if, the, if the executive's goal is to engage their employees or to kind of represent, to, to increase the presence or the, the awareness of themselves and their brand uh, in certain ways with certain audiences, that's great. But you need to remember that when a CEO gets online, unless you're somebody like David Branson, who has a personality and, you know, is well-liked, mm-hmm. Uh, people aren't going to trust you because you're the CEO. And changing that takes a long time. Uh, so, it, you know, just making sure that the goals and the approach and the structure of how that CEO is publishing and engaging is kind of in the right context of all those things I think is is important. Thank you, Chris. Very interesting. Uh, did you really dare to say that there's very little value in the content or people say very little in email? Did I hear you make that bold statement at the start of your conversation there? Well, I guess the point is that the value of the content has nothing to do with the channel. The value of the content has to do with the value of the content. So, you know, if a leader send if a leader sends emails to their people and allows their staff to turn the email into a two and a half page diatribe on stuff that nobody wants to read, and then you get on social media and you write things that all nobody else wants to read there, just you know, just taking your your self-promotional diatribes onto social media isn't going to help the situation, (laughs) right? So we just, wherever, whatever channel you're using, make the content good, make it engaging, make it simple and straightforward so people can, you know, so it's it's engaging and people will want to continue your content because they can unfollow you on Twitter just like they can just delete your email without reading it. Great mantra there. Great uh, uh, point for people to take away. Thank you very much, Chris. I was teasing you, of course, a little bit of uh, tongue-in-cheek there. I wanted to see what your reaction would be. Malin, join this conversation. Thoughts about uh-huh. content and channels and leadership. Talk to me. No, I think the, the points I made on uh, around leadership are, are very important, and I think it points to something that is very central to social, which is authenticity. 
Uh, and uh, someone said just now that uh, it, it really matters how you present yourself. This whole notion of transparency, that anyone can reach anyone, everyone has access to everyone over social, but it also means that as a leader, you are really, really uh, transparent. So you also have to make sure that you're consistent. If you put in a lot of effort in building your brand, in, in making sure that you portray a picture of yourself on social to build the brand that you want to represent, you also make sure, have to make sure that you walk the talk in the individual interactions with people, because otherwise there is a real danger that you become uh, not credible and not authentic. And I think that is the strategy that has to be behind every, every so, social approach or when you try to, to establish and build your brand, is to really make sure what is, it, what is it that I want to be known for and make sure that I really stand behind it and that I'm consistent and authentic when, I, when I'm building that brand and portraying those messages. Thank you, Mullen. Authentic is a key word you brought up. I was thinking that we hadn't heard that specifically. But but one thing I'm not hearing is the idea, maybe maybe it was somewhere in the conversation so far, panelists, I haven't heard the word fun and excitement. It seems like it's a dangerous a potential landmine or, or a web mine for companies that don't understand social. Chris, talking to you, they don't get it. They're afraid of it. But there is an excitement and a fun, but you have to trust your people that they are going to give the right content on the right channel at the right time and be authentic in the right way. So it sounds to me like it's it's ripe with minefields, land minefields, uh, web fields. However, the opportunity is great to do it right and to benefit. Well, I don't – Let's. I don't – Nope. I don't, well, I don't think there are minefields. I think that, that – that creates the kind of fear, uncertainty, and doubt that causes people to hesitate. Right? It's not – look, corporate communications does not go and ride alongside every single salesperson that they send out into the field, right? They, they, they recruit people. They screen them. They make sure that they're smart and articulate and that they've got the right base skills, and they put them through training, and then they do mm-hmm. a ride-along, and maybe they do spot checks. And, you know, I work in consulting, and I go and I have meetings with – level people, VP level people in different countries and different industries, and there's never a PR corporate communications person sitting there next to me making sure I'm on message, ever, mm-hmm. and so when I'm engaging clients. So the idea that because it's over Twitter, suddenly we can't trust these people doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it's not logical. Now, if you don't give them any training and you don't give them any guidance and you don't give them any content, then yeah, that's probably not a good idea, <laughs> but it's not landmines. It's an, we have, it's all known. Like every company knows how to do this because they do it with their salespeople or with their marketers or with some group of people that's interacting with customers and channel partners. And you just need to take like, well, how do we do that in, with those people who are part of our culture and how do we adapt that to these social channels? Okay. Interesting. I'm going to agree to disagree a little bit there. Uh, not sure that tra- not sure that some uh, wild ideas don't come up in the middle of the night when people are responding or that people are trained. But there's this excitement in this. Wow, I'm going to be the first to respond to that and yeah, not but, sure that it's the right. But you, you know what I'm saying? They're already they're already doing that, and the brand can't control it. At least not in the United States. People have free speech. They can say whatever they want. Uh, if they want to tell people that they like the brand or they don't like the brand or they like their employer or they don't like their employer, they're already doing that, and you can't stop it. So the more you now we agree, and now we agree, them and train them and give them guidance, you're going to take what's already out there, and you're just going to make it better. That was my I point. Mean, now, now we agree. Go ahead, Hillary. 
Um, I think, you know, there are, there are risks and there are dangers. I don't think it's reasonable to say that this is a, a, a space that's simply fun and exciting, otherwise everybody would, would be there. I think mm-hmm. that judgment is the number one characteristic that needs to be applied for any kind of corporate communication, whether that's email or on social media. People have to realize that uh, who they're representing and what the powers are in the tools that they're using. So I think, yes, trust is very important, um, but I think that uh, things can go wrong, and they do. Um, but, there, but, you know, risks need not prevent people from participating, and it can mm-hmm. be fun and it can be exciting. And those who choose not to participate, um, it, it, the networks are too transparent. We can see whether organizations are engaged or whether they're not, or whether their leadership has got their heads in the sand, or whether they're jumping in and and uh, providing uh, great content. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the point is, yes, there are risks, but they're all manageable. Let's not let concern about potential risks stop us. I mean, I've I've been on client calls where somebody on my team. I mean, this is you know I've been in consulting for years, and you know every once in a while somebody's on the call and says something that they shouldn't have said, right? Mm-hmm. Or somebody sure. does something and frustrate and makes the client upset, or whatever, right? That happens, and we handle it, right? right? So it's the same kind of thing of, like, put the right processes and everything else in place, <clears throat> manage the risks, and overall, we're not going to stop selling because when a client got upset. That's crazy, right? Just like we shouldn't get out mm-hmm. of social media or avoid mm-hmm. it just because we know an employee is going to probably say something inappropriate. That's just life. Right, but let's let's get in the game and manage it. Right, appreciated. Yeah, Marlon, go ahead. You can participate at different levels. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's, uh, there is a safe entry point to social, and so when we go out and train people to do social selling, we we teach them how to be more engaged in social. Oftentimes, people are scared for those exact reasons that have been brought up here on this panel. And what yeah. we try to, to do is to take away that fear a little bit. And first of all, some people, when you start uh, promoting the idea of social setting, they may say, uh, I'm not such a social person, and, and also I'm not sure if I'm saying the right thing. I'm not sure if this is for me. And then what we say, first of all, is this choice has already been, been made for you by your customer. <laughs> so similar to the concept of fish where the fish is, if you don't want to sit fishing in, uh, in an empty pond, you have to be where your customers are, and we know our customers are on social, so we have to, like it or not, we have to, to start engaging more on social platforms. However, you don't have to be a super blogger. You don't have to be part of every conversation from the start. What I, the advice that I give to people, if, if they have that, that feeling towards social, is start listening. Do social listening. There is a wealth of information out there. Listen to customers. Learn, look at some influences that you admire, look at some people that have similar roles to you and, and, and observe how they are using social as a powerful tool. And before you know it, you will, on your listening tour, you will see so many interesting conversations that you won't be able to help yourself. You want to jump into the discussion. So I think the, the, the good thing to think about it is it's not black and white. It's not all or nothing. There are some entry points that we can choose that make the transition towards being more social a little easier. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Good points. Hillary, I heard you too. I want to move in another direction with some notes from Chris. But first, Hillary, is there something you wanted to add? Yeah, I just wanted to add that uh, I think a guiding principle when we use these tools is 
to understand that we cannot be all things to all people and that no matter what we do, we're never going to win over the entire Internet, that we have to stand for something and we have to put forward our core values and our beliefs. We're not going to win everybody over. We just have to be authentic and be the best that we can be and try to manage the risks. But, but get in there and stand for something and, uh, because no one else is going to do it for us. No one's well, going to promote our, our company. Absolutely. Thank you. And the, Good the, points. The one thing I would add to that is yes. that the big upside for brands is to recognize that you know, the diversity of your employees reflects the diversity of your customers. And a brand can only kind of really have one personality. But your employees have all the personalities of all your employees. And so to the extent that you're empowering your employees to be able to engage, people are attracted to that diversity. Like the people they trust are either somebody that's an expert or somebody like me, right? So get all your somebody's like me Uh and empower those folks to interact, and you're going to be a much more powerful brand than if you just try and have one brand voice that's controlled by, you know, marketing and PR and professional communicators. It's, it's, It's a game changer for a brand. So, thank you, Chris. Kind of the next step of that. Great point. Great point. Everybody, thank you for uh, indulging my question. I didn't intend to start a firestorm, but I did. And this is good for live radio. Now, Chris Boudreaux, I want to move into another area. I'm looking at your notes, the last part of the notes you sent me. I found something very interesting. You say the value of social media lies in its ability to make the rest of the business better. And data is the key. And then you say too many organizations are leaving their social media as a disconnected silo of data and interactions, which is why they're still arguing about the business value they'll never achieve it until they connect all the data dots together talk to me chris tell us a little more please so if somebody visits your website and you know that they visit your website and then they push a button and they call you and then they purchase a product and then after they buy the product they call your phone contact center and you, they have a problem and you resolve it most brands track all that and they know uh, that that was all one customer But for some reason, well, I know the reasons, uh, Mm -hmm. social is not part of that tracking. It's not part of the relationship. And and so it's completely disconnected. So you can't attribute value to social uh, and you're not having it really contribute to the overall experience. So, for example, to me, in the year 2015, if I tweet at a brand where I've been a customer for years and they don't know who I am on Twitter, that's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. They have my email address. They have my phone. The fact that they just haven't added Twitter handle to my customer profile so that they can know who I am when I tweet at them is, is unacceptable. But most brands don't do that, right? And so the interaction that I then have with them on Twitter is not part of my customer record, right? They don't, they don't know that. When, if, if you want to try and send out emails to people, based on your relationship with them, because maybe you know what products they've bought and you know some of their preferences from other, you know, maybe where they visited your website, which products they've looked at or whatever. And so you're going to send an email to market to them. Why wouldn't you also want to know that you had a Twitter customer care interaction where they had a problem with a particular product or were seeking information about a particular product or that they visited your customer community and they were surfing and they favorited certain things or they commented on a certain type of product, uh, you know, all those things, right, sit in completely disconnected silos of data 
people don't use the social care interactions to inform their email targeting, as one example, right? They don't. They they throw up a customer community that runs on a platform that you know you've got social listening running on one platform. You've got you're publishing an engagement running on a different platform. You're running a customer community running on a different platform. Then your email marketing is on a different platform. Your e-commerce is on another platform. And, and, and then you wonder why customers don't feel like we love them first, right? Mm-hmm. Like Vaynerchuk's uh-huh. quote is great, but if you're really going to love them first, you need to know who the heck they are, regardless of whether they're tweeting at you or talking on the phone or emailing you or buying something. That, that's where the sort of the Vaynerchuk quote starts to become, okay, well, how do we actually do that? And mm-hmm. we've got to get the data and the view of the customer connected. We, we, we have to stop allowing social to not be connected to the rest of the enterprise in that way. Thank you, Chris. So Mullen, I want, to, I, I want to get Mullen and Hillary in here. We're running a little short on time. So uh, Mullen first and then Hillary, thoughts on connecting the data dots? Mullen, you going to go first? Was that, was that for me? Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm Alan, go ahead. Okay, so I think, yes, so I think again, data is uh, is the foundation for social, and, and it's also part of this democratic uh, thought that everyone has access to everything. And for me, social is also a great uh, radar. If you want to know what's going on in the market, we all talk about customers first, thinking outside in, understanding where what 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 does the market want, what do the customers want. It's it's all out there. And just to, uh, to underscore under it with a, with a short story, I remember still to this day, a lot of people oftentimes come up to me in, in LOB roles where we are in marketing uh, asking the question, how can I find out more about our customers? How can I know more? Uh, because, you know, the, the salespeople don't want to take me to the customers, so I, I don't know how to get in touch with our customers. And I always say it's out there. It's out there for everyone. It's really making sense of the data. It's not a shortage of data. It's really making sense of the data. And you have all the intelligence, all the knowledge, and everything that you need to understand the market and the customers. So so data is, is foundational, but it's really how you interpret it and what you do with it that really makes or breaks uh, if you get value out of social or not. Thank you. Hillary, talk to us. Uh, you know, I think businesses have a tremendously long way to go in terms of, uh, of consolidating uh, data across channels. Um, I think they're particularly behind in their engagement on social media. I cannot tell you how many times I have advocated on behalf of a brand, having mentioned their Twitter handle, uh, has done something, have shown them the love and gotten absolutely nothing back. Not that that was my intention necessarily, but boy, if you have a customer who is willing to advocate for your product on, on a social network, by golly, it would be a pretty good idea to uh, say a simple thank you and, uh, and engage in some way. Um, the other thing that I think businesses need to realize is that if they have sales teams, 78% of sales teams who use digital networks outsell sales teams who don't uh, quite handily. And, you know, there's there so much fixation on data. Unfortunately, uh, Blockbuster Video did not have the data 
to prove that buying Netflix was a really good idea. And we all know what's happened to Blockbuster Video. So I think a lot of businesses just need to take a good hard look at where their customers are and, uh, and realize that they're going to be lost opportunities if they, if they focus exclusively on data and don't start uh, listening and realizing the shift in, in customer communications. Because right now, consumers are dominating this basis. Totally dominant. Well, I mean, I, ahead, I agree Chris. with I agree with that. I mean, the point about not getting any sort of response. Right? If 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 you were in person and if you were standing on a stage and you said something great about a brand, they'd probably walk over and say, "Hey, thanks for saying that." But they don't say anything in social, and that's it's kind of rude. But the problem is that they have to justify the cost of the people who are going to do those responses, right? Mm -hmm. And so. Yep. If you, as long as the conversation is around, well, we have to be engaged, we have to be authentic, we have to manage our brand reputation, you're never going to justify adding enough people to respond to all those things, all those customer endorsements if you're really, you know, if you're successful as a brand. And so, what you, you know, part of what you have to do is say, well, look, we want to be able to respond to these people. The way that we're going to be able to get justify those resources is we need to find a way to connect that to something else in the business. So, for example, we know that. Uh, ratings and reviews have, have a significant impact on purchases, and we know that, uh, or endorsements and things like that. So what if we, instead of just staffing people to just respond and say thank you, what if we then also were able to take that endorsement and ask that person for permission to reuse their endorsement um, inside of our customer community or inside of our e-commerce experience, and, and if the customer says, sure, now you've, you've just justified thanking that person because now you're going to take that interaction, that tweet, whatever it is, and you're going to go put it alongside your product as an authentic and real endorsement of a real person, and that's going mm -hmm. to affect your conversions, right? And so if yes. you can start to think about – brands have to think more about how to actually drive the business with social and with these interactions – and, you know, that's, that process I just described, that's not a massive big data implementation, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's, that's not a, as, as complicated a thing to do. You have to have the right tools, but it's not a massive big data issue, right? So, but we need the people who, as long as social media just sits in corporate communications, those kinds of um, value-driven ideas, uh, that's, that's not, that's, it's, you got to bring the whole team together, right? You got to get marketing and sales and other folks involved. And, 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 you know, an IT and HR and whatever, uh, and, and drive this from a value perspective to be able to get then the capabilities to respond in the ways that you would really like to at scale. Just, I mean, as an example. So. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to have to move to the prediction segment in about two minutes, but I want to bring up a couple of very interesting, I think these are crocheable moments, Marlon Ladine. I'm looking at some of your notes here, and there are some really, uh, I call the, the French word bon mot. These are really good words of advice. I'm just going to rattle off a couple of them, then I'll give you a minute to respond, and then we're going to go back to Hillary for predictions. So Marlon says, why should anyone invest in social selling? Because the water cooler does does not scale. I'm just going to let that one sit there. Think about it. She also says in the social economy, the race is short. Eight seconds attention span shorter than that of a goldfish. 
And she adds, this is a far cry from handing out printed materials at a conference or making a face-to-face sales call. She adds, the social economy is a jungle. You never know where your customer will turn up Mm -hmm. next. The funnel has turned into a pinball game. We'll leave that one on the table. And last but not least, Malin, these are great. I feel like I'm I'm quoting somebody very famous here. Uh, Relationships close the deal. People buy from people, not companies. Malin, I'll give you just one minute here to just comment on any or all of these phrases I shared from your notes. Please talk for just one minute. Thank you. That, that, that's, mm-hmm. uh, that's a difficult. It's a difficult one because I, I like all of them for for different reasons. But yes. I think the water cooler doesn't scale because it's one of my favorites. And you can you can uh, change it for a coffee machine or wherever it is that people are meeting in in your culture or in, in your company. But really, social media to me is is a way to scale those conversations. Imagine you stop by the water cooler. This is a very realistic scenario. And you talk about an an account, a deal that you're working on, and it turns out that the person at the water cooler or the coffee machine, that that person's neighbor is a decision maker in that company. Would you have known that that person's neighbor is is a decision maker in the account that you are working for? Probably not. And the only reason that you found out is because you stopped at the coffee machine or the water cooler. And imagine, to me, that's a wealth of opportunity. If you can scale that and systematically leverage the relationships within your network to make sure that you can take advantage of those connections that may not be obvious. And that, to me, is why the water cooler, it doesn't scale because you have to physically be in the same location and you have to to stop by the right person at the right time. But in the social economy, everyone has a scalable water cooler with a wealth of information that you can use to move your business forward because it's all about relationships. Thank you very much. Guess what? We have just barely uh, less than 60 seconds apiece for predictions. I'm just going to say this real fast. Uh, let me Give me a 45-second prediction, Hillary Carter and Intune Communications, please. If we fast forward to this conversation to the year 2020 or any time in the future, tell me how far in the future and give me 45 seconds of your predictions on what will be different if we met again. Hillary Carter, go. Well, I think uh, we're going to see a lot of dinosaur bones piling up and that um, there's going to be a gap widening between the leaders and the laggards. And unless businesses are willing to continue to innovate and adapt uh, and deal with disruption, um, they're going to face extinction. So the gap will widen. Um, the innovators are going to, to lead the digital economy. And uh, the effects of the Ubers and the Tesla battery and Periscope on otherwise stable industries is going to be uh, really fascinating. And I think we're, we all need to hold on for what's going to be a very, very wild ride. Agree. Thank you. Chris Boudreau, I'm going to give you 30 seconds because I know you like to talk. 30 seconds predictions. Chris, go. I think by then everyone will have realized that the marketing funnel is alive and well, but the fundamentals of marketing and of selling are based on human nature, human needs, and those things do not change. And people have to become aware of your product before they can develop a preference for your product, before they can buy the product. That's the simplest version of the marketing funnel, and it still exists. Um, And so once people realize that, then we can get back to measuring the things we've always measured for the success of the business. Um, and, and Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. I, I have to get Marlon. Marlon, you get one <laughs> sentence for <laughs> predictions. We're out of time. Marlon, go ahead. Sorry, Chris. Go ahead, Marlon. Okay, great. 
In two or three years, uh, social will be the new normal. We will be seeing the segment of one materializing. This will be a completely individual sales and marketing, or if you will, a mass customization of account-based marketing and sales, segment of one. Thank you very much. Appreciated. Hillary Carter, Intercommunications, Chris Boudreau, EY, and Social Media Governance, Mullen Ladine at SAP. Wonderful panel. Great heated discussion. Love the energy. Shout outs to our tweeters. We had a Twitter party at hashtag SAP Radio. Kristen Boylo, thank you. Akua Odoi, thank you. Tammy Paulus, haven't seen you in a long time. Thank you. And Hillary Carter and team at Intune Communications. And thank you to Kristen and Michelle Studhalter for putting together this panel and topic. Brad and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'll see you tomorrow with a new edition of Future of Business with Game Changers, 10 a.m. Eastern. The topic is the future of knowledge. You want to hear that one if you're going to stay really smart. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, right now. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.